If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call 988. 988 provides free, confidential, compassionate support 24-7 in your phone's local area code. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? Explain to me. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor, a teacher, a clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Each of me have tonight. Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, having thoughts of suicide, or just needs to talk, call 988. 988 provides 24-7 direct connection to free, confidential, and compassionate support in your phone's local area code. When you call 988 in Santa Clara County, you'll talk with trained crisis counselors who will support you and connect you to local resources if needed. You are not alone in crisis. There is hope. Vincent, 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 what am I to do with you? First of all, this black cowboy hat, the black duster coat. Why are you in my sting house in Fairfield, Connecticut? And why were you chatting online with a girl you thought was 12 years old? These are all questions I asked of Vincent Ambrosio when he was one of the predators I caught. In the fall of 2015, we set up with the Fairfield Police Department in Fairfield, Connecticut. We had a lovely home, beautiful suburb, not far from I-95, and it had been a few years since we had done a predator investigation. I put this one together with some production partners. We had the Wagenberg brothers and their production team, which had worked on all the other predator investigations. We did not have, in this case, perverted justice. We had a group called Tetrid Corps, and they did a marvelous job. A few of the members of Tetrid Corps were also perverted justice contributors. So it was a little different this time, but those contributors had been in chat rooms all around the tri-state area, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, even up in Massachusetts, as far away as New Hampshire, talking to men online after they had been approached and the man raised the specter of sex. It was an eye-opening investigation. Here we were all those years after the very first predator investigation and guys were still showing up at our house in Fairfield. We had a guy who I actually met on the commuter train 
between Connecticut and New York City. We had a guy who worked for a cable company who was on the list to become a police officer in the state of Connecticut. In his car after his arrest and my interview with him, police found a loaded gun, a video camera, handcuffs, rope, duct tape, and what was basically a kill kit. He was there to take a 13-year-old girl out for a driving lesson in a parking lot. The list went on and on. But Vincent Ambrosio is unique and interesting for a lot of different reasons. One, his story never really made it to television. Ultimately, that predator investigation aired in segments on a syndicated show I did for a few years called Crime Watch Daily. And it was a good fit. But when it came time to Vincent Ambrosio, well, the production company, the producers, the network, in my opinion, were a little over-conservative. They were concerned because perhaps Vincent Ambrosio had some mental issues, which he did, and he admitted that in the interview. And they were also concerned because he was only 19 at the time of his arrest. To me, this brings up a number of interesting issues, ethical, journalistic, and criminal in terms of a prosecution. And I'll get into all those in a minute. But back to Vincent Ambrosio, his chat was very, very graphic. And I'll get to some of that in just a minute. There was no question based upon it and based upon the way he swooped into this home in Fairfield that he would have had, given the opportunity, at least in my opinion, a sexual relationship with a 12-year-old girl. Our decoy in person was a local college student who went by the name of Jenna. She was very, very good. She played the role to a T. She'd never done anything like this before. I mean, she had been involved in college theater, but she was really good on site. She was gutsy. She was confident. And imagine being thrown into this, you know, with just a little bit of training by the Fairfield Police Department and our security team led by Ronnie Knight. You could be anxious, and I would understand that. And she was. But she did a heck of a job, and I'll get into that in a minute, too. Jenna actually would be a good guest to have on this podcast, and I'll track her down, and we'll make sure that happens in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, back to Vincent. 19 years old, out of work, hasn't completed his high school education yet, and he's in a tough place. But he finds himself in this chat room with this girl, Jenna, who says she's 12. And let me take you inside that chat just for a minute so you get a good sense of what was going on here. Vincent starts out by saying, hey, Jenna, hey, sorry I went to sleep last night before you messaged. Vincent, that's okay, how'd you sleep? Okay, it was a tough day, but Friday was better. How old are you, says Vincent. Jenna says, 12, you? Vincent says, 19, well, that's true. What grade you in? Seven, cool. Could I see a pic of you? That's me in the Whisper, but I'll send you another one. Whisper is an app that was used at the time for chit-chat like this. Vincent says, you're cute. Jenna says, thank you. You got a pick? You like older guys? I love hanging out with my dad's friends. What's your name? Vincent. Again, he tells the truth. Only child? Older brother and sis, but they don't live here. Oh, I'm an only child, says Vincent. I always hang out with the adults. So where are you from? Vincent says, New York. How about you? Jenna, Connecticut. Cool. Could I see another pic of you? Vincent says, I meant a naughty pic. 
Not fully naked. Jenna says, I'm sorry, I can't. Okay, but why not? My mom is a super bitch, but she just had one rule about the phone when I got it for my birthday. I can't take pics like that. I can't lose my phone. I try not to make her mad so she doesn't take it from me. Aw, says Vincent, why don't you just delete them after you send them? Want to see me? Says Vincent. Okay. Okay to which first? I'm scared. She'll still find out. Okay to seeing it, he says. Vincent says, dick pics. And this is where it turns. I'm not that big, says Vincent. I bet I could fit inside you. Now remember, he thinks he's talking to a 12-year-old girl, and he's 19. Oh, I wasn't expecting that, says Jenna. I thought you were sending another regular pic. Oh, sorry, says Vincent. It's okay, I just wasn't expecting it. It kind of shocked me. Never seen one before. Oh, well, I guess now you have. Sorry. It's not that sorry. When you look at the text in its entirety, you can see the grooming process at play. Now, nobody's suggesting that, you know, Vincent is a genius master manipulator of children, but he does have a knack for working his way, wheedling his way into this girl's conversation, into her life, hoping for a visit. He goes on to talk about sending more pics. He likes short girls, says how gorgeous she is, and then it turns to this. Vincent says, have you ever put anything inside of you? Jenna says, huh? Inside your vagina, he says. Uh, no, ooh, why would I do that? That's how girls play with themselves. It feels good. Jenna says, I never did that. Ever rub yourself down there? No, just taking a bath. She's playing the role perfectly, this Tetrid decoy. Remember, it's not actually Jenna the decoy. It's the online decoy. It's somebody who's older, who's had experience talking to predators online. Vincent continues. I really wish I could see you down there. I want to see if it will hurt you or not. You just got to wonder why somebody at the age of 19 thinks that's appropriate in a discussion with someone who says she's 12. And then he reaches the pinnacle of perversion. Talks about putting his fingers inside of her. She says, but you're going to be gentle, right? Of course, princess, he says. I want you to get a ruler and measure how long the slit is. Huh? Your vagina. It goes on from there. You can just imagine what else is said. And then he makes a date to come from his place in New York where he lives with his parents all the way to our home in Fairfield. Now imagine the setup. And I've talked about this obviously before, both in Fairfield and other locations. I'm in what is essentially a living room with television monitors, with security. The crew is in a den set up with what is basically a control room. The police are in the garage. This was a great house for one of our operations because the guy could come in a side door that wasn't obvious to the neighborhood. And this is an upper middle class neighborhood. He could then walk into the kitchen. The cameras would catch him. The police were set up in a three car garage in one section of it. And they had their monitors so they could see what was going on. It was ideal really because once I confronted the predator, he could be ushered out through the garage door into the garage, arrested without a great deal of commotion, taken away, and another police car could be brought in the garage. 
So here comes Vincent. Come on in. Just moving fast. You found the house okay? You're Jenna? Yeah. Do you want a cupcake? And as he comes up, this big figure has to be 270, if not 300 pounds. Not that tall, not yet six feet. Goes in for a hug of Jenna, the decoy. And she recoils and he backs off and... I'm sorry. No, sorry. <laughs> we have all day. Sorry, I'm really nervous. How are you doing? I'm okay. They've got cupcakes out on the counter, and he talks about the cupcakes. Would you make these? No. <laughs> no. I'm not that good. I like to bake. Yeah. He talks about what they're going to do, and they discuss watching television and what's on. Do you have any movies? And... Do you want to like, watch a movie? Or do you have movies? Mm-hmm. What movies you got? Um, I know we can just get something on Netflix. Sure. Yeah. He's starting to settle in takes his hat off, takes his coat off, and now he's going to start the grooming process in person. That is, until I walk out of the room and confront him. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. I remember thinking, all right, how do I start this? I know he's 19, but to me... Really, what's the difference between a 19-year-old and a 29-year-old? This isn't a Romeo and Juliet situation. This isn't a senior dating a freshman. This is a guy with mental issues who has been grooming someone who is a child, who showed a picture of his penis to someone who said they were 12 years old, someone who may have seen a man's body parts for the first time, which could affect this child for life. So all this is working through my mind. So I'm going to confront him, not cut his throat. I never do that with anybody, but I, I come out and I said, Hey, Tex, how you doing? What's going on? How you doing? And he said, I knew it. I knew what this was. And we start into our discussion. And pretty quickly, he admits to me that he's got serious issues. Vincent says that he's depressed. He suffers from bipolar disorder. He's been taking medication prescribed by a doctor. Life's a mess. So you've been diagnosed with depression? Bipolar depression. Just this depression is so crippling. He also tells me he's seeing a therapist. I'm not a big talker about my feelings, so he talks to me about it. That he hasn't finished high school, he failed some classes, and he hasn't been able to develop the motivation to go online and finish it all. I failed high school. I, I have no motivation to finish it. He says he has problems focusing, and the doctor has prescribed Adderall, which has messed with his health, made him agitated. What do you take for it? I'm on uh, Adderall, so I was taking 180 a day. That's a lot of Adderall. What did that do to you? I was, I was so antsy. I was angry at my dad. I was angry at everybody. I picked my fingernails to nothing. He also tells me that he actually wants to be a police officer. But he's too fat, he thinks, to go through the academy. I want to be a cop. I wasn't going to do anything. I just... You want to be a cop? I'm a friend. Well, then why don't you go join the police academy or... I'm fat. I can't do anything. He also has to graduate from high school first, but that's beside the point. He tells me he wishes sometimes that he would just die. He is an embarrassment to his parents. His mother cries when he tries to explain his difficulties in life. I said, I don't want to feel like this anymore. 
I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed. What did she say to you? She cries. At one point during the interview, I realized that this needs to go from being Chris Hansen prosecutor to being Chris Hansen therapist. Now, I'm not a qualified therapist, and nor am I a prosecutor, but I think you know what I'm talking about. And so I confide in him that, you know, I had a father who was overweight. I know that's not an easy path in life. Look, I had a father who was overweight. I get it. It's tough. Stupid. (laughs) And I also tell him that I have two sons who are not, you know, much older than him. I'm sure. I got two boys, you know. (laughs) So man to man, will you look at me for a minute? Will you promise to get some help? Please. And so I go down the road as if, well, I'm talking to him like a uncle or, you know, a, a person who has at least got a listening ear. And mostly I want him to get help. The situation he's in is not good. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be prosecuted. But, you know, for everyone, especially someone of his age, there is a way out. There is help, there is therapy, there's probation, there's monitoring. There are things that, you know, some young guys can do to never reoffend, to never get into this situation again, to get their lives in order. And I'm hoping, and I think this is reflected in the conversation, that he will go do this. So the discussion ends. This comes after I make him promise me, look me in the eye that he's not gonna hurt himself because there is this talk of suicide. Look at me. Look at me. Do you promise me you will get help? Yes, I don't want to be like okay. this anymore with this, any of this. Okay, so can we make this a turning point for you? Yes. And he leaves through the door into the garage. He knows what's waiting for him. Please, somebody there, sir, please. Sir, get me back. Why do you just shoot me? I don't know whether he had seen the other predator investigations or not. And the Fairfield police, so professional, so thorough, so prepared. This entire investigation was really well planned. Take him into custody with as much care as they possibly could give. And from the minute he gets into the car to be taken to the Fairfield Police Department, he's telling him about his problem. Telling him that, you know, his dad is a former cop. We find out this later, more details on it. And he's taken to the police department and interrogated by a female detective. So sharp, so smart. In fact, I watched her interviews and all the detectives at Fairfield were really sharp. And I had known the chief there for some time on some other investigations I had done. But I watched her interrogation specifically because it was so good and it elicited a lot of information. And she takes him down the road and he admits everything to her. Is there anything on your phone that we're going to find? Videos. And they look like girls under 16? Yeah. Having intercourse? Yeah. Ultimately, he's prosecuted. He's detained. And one of the interesting backstories on this is that, you know, he didn't call his parents. He was missing for two days until his father got a hold of Vincent's phone. Apparently, he had left it behind. And was able to redial a number that he had called. And this pops up to the decoy. Hello. Jenna. And so he actually has a conversation with her. 
Vincent's father, Dennis, and we've confirmed who it was based upon the number he called from, talks to Jenna, the decoy, asking who this is. And she plays the game back and says, who is this? And then he asks, is this computer generated? And ultimately he says, I'm the police. And it appears he's trying to maybe not intimidate, but get her to say who she is, what happened. And again, they're trying to figure out how this all went down with his son. And it sounds like there's another voice in the background, perhaps Vincent's mother, and they're trying to get to the bottom of this. And this would not be the last time that Vincent's father, the retired police officer, would muscle the badge, so to speak. You no doubt will remember Joey Teacap. He's appeared on the podcast before. Joey is the chronicler of all things related to the Predator investigation, and he's become a good friend of this podcast. Anyway, not long after the Fairfield investigation, Joey was able to get the video of Vincent Ambrosio's interrogation. And one thing led to another. We got it from the police department, which is, you know, public record, and you can do that sort of thing. And it made its way to the internet, was posted, and people saw it, and all of a sudden comes, well, Vincent's dad again, threatening people, doxing people, allegedly, putting names and addresses out there, and claiming that they were breaking the law by posting this video. Anyway, it was one of the threats that Joey Teacap got that made him fake his own death for a little bit uh, on the internet, but an interesting backstory. Ultimately, the entire story would surface. Everything, including Vincent Ambrosio's texts, his interview with me, the interview with the police department, all of it. As I mentioned earlier, the Crime Watch Daily folks didn't feel comfortable airing it. The Vincent Ambrosio footage never aired on Crime Watch Daily, but I always thought it should. So ultimately, I posted it on my YouTube channel. And from there, it went viral, predictably. But people got to see Vincent Ambrosio firsthand and make up their own mind. Again, this is an adult. And I would argue vigorously that at the end of the day, this was not a Romeo and Juliet situation, that it was an adult going after a 12-year-old. And there's no difference in the danger posed by a 19-year-old versus a 29-year-old or a 39-year-old or a 49-year-old or any age adult male. And so I thought the story should be seen, and it was. What happened to Vincent Ambrosio? Well, here's the latest on him. Vincent's father reached out to Joy Teacap on Facebook Messenger and would harass him under a fake name. He kept asking to meet Joey, and on the form, he posted his name, address, and phone number, and wrote about how he wanted people to visit Joey and thank him for obtaining Vincent's interrogation video. Although he used a fake name, Dennis Ambrosia was identified because he registered under his actual email address and IP address, so we're positive it was actually him. After his arrest, Vincent was charged with attempting to entice a minor through a computer, attempted second-degree sexual assault of a minor, and possession of child pornography. He took a plea deal and was sentenced to 10 years for the first two charges and one year for the child pornography. All the time was suspended except for 30 months. He ended up only serving 16 months in jail 
He now lives in a halfway house, or at least did uh, as of a few months ago in Connecticut. We're not sure if he's working or not, but he is back free in society. And one can only hope that Vincent pulled his life together and that somehow this experience made him a better guy and that he won't get involved in any other predatory behavior going forward. But he is definitely, for all those reasons, one of the most fascinating and in some ways disturbing predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen, and this is Predators I've Caught. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, you can reach me at chris at predatorpodcast.com. We check it frequently. In the meantime, thanks to everybody involved in the podcast and happy birthday to producer Steve Cohen. Talk to you in the next episode.